Hi, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. This is a marketing podcast like you haven't heard before. It's about real connections and honest conversations. Why am I here? To remind you that you can fly. If you're brave enough to listen to that calling inside you, I'm here to serve you and show you that marketing can and should be honest, that the truth sells and authenticity wins. So how can businesses and brands build a real and authentic audience? The Authentic Audience Podcast gives you insight into growing your business and marketing strategies to gain real followers and loyal customers. Each week, I create a space of radical honesty for thought leaders and entrepreneurs who have built successful businesses to share their insights on business, marketing, relationships, life, and spirituality. Each episode is sure to remind you the power of storytelling and truth selling. Get ready to get real, get raw, get honest, and keep growing. Helen Yu is the founder and CEO of Tygon Advisory. She drives growth for tech companies from startups to global titans like Oracle and Adobe. She helps CEOs achieve multi-billion dollar revenue growth and record profitability. She's a board advisor to fast growth SaaS companies and is on the board of the Global Cybersecurity Association. She's a top Twitter influencer with a 10 million plus weekly reach and was ranked a top 10 thought leader by Think360 and a top 10 Digital Transformational Influencer by IBM. She's spoken at South by Southwest, Tycon, DMS, and Money 2020, an avid adventurer who trekked Mount Everest and climbed ice glaciers. Her new book, Ascend Your Startup, Conquer the Five Disconnects to Accelerate Growth, is out now. Obviously, after that bio, you know why she is here. I'm so happy to welcome you to the show. Thanks for being here. Hi, Krista. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. I'm very excited to talk to you. Um, Before we dive in, though, just to drop in, how are you? What's happening in your world? Where are you? (laughs) Tell me everything. I'm doing really well. Uh, I'm speaking today from Naperville. It's the west suburb of Chicago. Uh, it's quite beautiful today. We've had uh, quite a bit of storm. You probably heard just in my neighborhood, we had a tornado about uh, a couple of weeks ago. Four houses were wiped out four miles away from us. Uh, we were locked out. Yes. Whoa. Yes. So you're safe though. I am safe. Yeah. I'm but happy we, to talk to you. Yeah. yeah. So Congrats on the book. First of all, this is huge. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you specifically today because, and what inspires me is this idea of preparing for the unexpected. I think that we need to find this balance, um, as business owners and entrepreneurs. And I find that so oftentimes we're preparing for the worst and sometimes the unexpected can mean success. And I, like to prepare for both. And I was wondering if we could just unpack a little bit about this conversation of how to prepare for the unexpected, because it seems a little bit, um, you know, hard to, to, Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, perhaps it's better for me to explain the why, right. I wrote about this book. Um, you probably heard in the why behind ascending the small area space camp was to keep a secret 
promise to my grandmother um, because she to really leave her ashes right on the tall mountain. Uh, I felt unstoppable because of that. And I made up my mind that nothing would really hold me back from my climb. Um, being, I would say, a non-professional climber, it was a tough journey. Uh, I grew up, I was raised by grandmother. I grew up, I grew up with nine cousins. I was the only girl, the youngest. So she always made sure I grew up strong. So we were, we, we had out a trip, five of us and my cousin, all guys, right? Four of them with me, none of them made it. I was the only one who was able to mate to the base camp. But uh, that was the experience, you know, coming back, the most fulfilling experience of that climb was not the fact that I dropped ashes, was that I made it, mm. but also safely returned. Um, and then carry back the lessons I learned from that experience, right? So that was 14 years ago. So I've been writing this book in my head ever since, right? The four things that you said earlier, I learned from this trip is how you get prepared, right? As a business owner, you have to always be prepared, like me getting, on this trip, I have to really prepare, you know, really get myself physically, emotionally prepared for the trip and understand what are the potential risks ahead of this trip, right, for me to climb. And then I needed to talk to people who's been there, done that, to learn from their experience. I also need to figure out who I would go with, right? And then in the event that anything happened to me, what, you know, kind of plan I may have, um, so we had to break the ashes in five different bottles, small bottles. So if an event that happens to one person, the other person, you know, pick it up, making sure that we in the end made it right. We also had a plan to say, if we run into someone else, we could also pass that to someone else who might be able to make the trip and plan everything. And I was not able to afford for a personal trainer but I did all know, put in, put in all my savings to save for this trip to the extent that I could, the way that I could prepare for it. But no matter how much you are prepared, you always run into something unexpected, right? Like this trip. Mm-hmm. You know, we packed, I packed everything. I got, I hired a Sherpa who is super experienced, the driver as U.S. citizen. You can't just go to climb mm-hmm. Mahara. You have to have a permit. You have to have a guide, right? So that was required. And then you really had all the trip. And then something happened, right? We, we walked to this uh, uh, area. It says professional stopper, uh, climbers only. Anybody else cannot has to stop here beyond this point. But that was the point where I would not want to settle or put the ashes there. It was not the right point. So at that point, the short pro said, I cannot go beyond this point. I have to stop here. You can, you know, if it's your decision, you want to take your own risk to go beyond, go for it, right? But without knowing that's a, like, point, like solving point, you have to, as a business owner, you have to decide because you're going to run into a situation like that. You have to decide if you're going to continue to press on or back down, right? And that's, and then we also, my camera like broke right before I was about to get on, get on the uh, base cam. So what I did was, you know, I was thinking about what would I be doing then? So I took the camera, the memory card out of the camera body and was hoping someone else would have the similar camera to from allow me to put the memory card inside. And then 
you know what, someone from Singapore, she showed up with the same camera and I was able to use, um, mm. put in my camera card, the memory card inside her camera. She did not have a Zoom, I do. So we really collaborated and we both were happy with the quality picture we were able to take. Uh, besides, you know, really setting up the ashes, we're also able to take the picture of the moon, right? The Mount Everest was the moon, Mount Everest was the sunset and sunrise overall. So those are situation all the time you're gonna run through. Um, and then that's how you prepare, the, you know, the how you prepare, but then how do you really adapt to the like things that you did not prepare uh, that would happen. How I love how you can so clearly relate your life experience into business. And I think so oftentimes we're separating it all the time, like our personal life from our business. And it's just all connected. It's all so it's us right at the end of the day and how we problem solve, whether we're on the top of a mountain or whether we are a startup making a really major decision is really, really important. So how do you, how do you work with leaders to help sort of instill this problem solving or this being prepared mentality? This is something I'm working with right now as my team expands. And as many startups culture, I find is such a big piece of this and making sure that you know not only you and I are on board to use this strategy, but that our team is as well. And you talk about this leadership style and a do it all approach. And I was wondering if we could talk about that and how you sort of rally the troops um, within businesses to prepare and to want to. Yeah. So that's a great question, Krista. As a matter of fact, as a leader, the most important aspect is for us to understand why we're doing things, but not only we know why we're doing things, we need to inspire the devotion in others to do that with us, right? So if you're gonna ask your team to build a ship for you, if they only see the effort building the ship without seeing the oasis cross ocean, that will take forever. And then people won't put in the whole effort, right, wholeheartedly, even though they do, they're going to have high burnout. But mm -hmm. if everybody understands, right, why we're building this, because there's an oasis across the ocean, and then if we put in effort, right, extra effort, we will all, in the end, it's going to be a rewarding journey for all of us, right? And, and then if everyone has that in them, right, and then you're going to get them all energized and motivated, this is what I talk about, right, understanding in the the why you start this journey and ask yourself, what is the issue or problem you're trying to solve, right? Mm -hmm. And then also you got to really, the, as a leader, is not looking or finding an answer is not necessarily your role. Your role is to asking, guide the team to ask the powerful question, right? Mm -hmm. The ability to ask most powerful questions are more important than finding the answer to the question because this is why my book is about the 26 questions as a decision framework right because you can if you know what question to ask you can find the answer you can google these days you can find the answer from the people who've been there done that but the most biggest challenge for business owners or leaders are not knowing when to ask what question um, so I talk about, you know, the earlier about prepare and how you adapt, but as part of mountain climbing experience, 
uh, I learned, right, if you go to the base camp, then there's five more summit on the mm-hmm. Mount Everest mountain, where right. you go to, you know, summit one from the base camp, then you cannot continue on to summit two, you have to reverse back to the base camp. And then you go to summit two, you reverse back to base camp, then you go to summit three, so on, so on. So that process is called acclimate, right? Acclimate to for your body to get used to the high elevation so that you can overcome some of the challenges in business. Sometimes in order for us to move forward, we have to take a step back, mm. to reflect, right? To revisit the strategy to double check our strategy with the, you know, with our customers, with our partners, with our employees. And then you can say, okay, we are, this is where we need to be. And then, then you can move forward with it, right? This is how I turn this like framework into five disconnects, right? In my book to simplify that, but people can relate to it as you, as a founder, turn a, an idea into product, product to market, market to scale, we all have blind spots, right? Mm -hmm. If we really, we, you know, generate some awareness of what these five big, biggest blind spot might be that prevent us from growing, then you can learn, right? You can really learn, right? Where do, here are 26 questions to ask as you go through these three stages of growth, company growth, and then, you know, you can avoid some of the blind spots or you can hire someone mm. with complementary skill set for you to offset, right, your, what you're not capable of doing and to overcome these growth um, challenges. That's amazing. And you have to know what your blind spots are, obviously. So would you mind sharing just like high level, the top five disconnects sure. and maybe a little bit unpacking them? Cause I think this is really interesting. Yeah. The, the first, like as you, you know, founder or even your business owner, right? This book, the title is Ascent Your Startup, but also applies to the business owners, the business leaders in large organization, because you can view the, your part of responsibility as a startup. And so if you think about the, as you turn an idea into product, you first need to understand the product market fit, right? That's the first blind spot or disconnect. And you have to make sure you understand, uh, you know, why you start this journey, what problem you're trying to solve and who are you solving this problem for, right? Is the problem you're solving, who is your ideal customer profile basically? Mm -hmm. And then is the problem you're solving matters to the people you're trying to target, right? So that's product market fit. You have to understand, okay, what is the total addressable market out there? Who else is solving the same problem as you? Because that's important for you to know in, about your competition. And then all sorts of things will be, then you make decision on go-to-market strategy and everything else, right? right. And the second lay is your defined minimum disconnect, right? People always understand what minimum defined like minimum variable product everyone knows about that term meaning that you wanted to have the minimum feature to test the market right you don't want to invest over invest so much into a product feature uh, before you even understand there's demand for that but you know my book is not just talk about minimum variable product because everyone knows about that the most important thing for the company or the business owner is to figure out what is the minimum variable repeatability and then what kind of minimum variable team you got to have in order to achieve 
that minimum repeatable, minimum variable repeatability. Right? When I say repeatability, that means that as you go to market, right, you are you are successful selling your solution to one customer. Can you sell it to ten more, hundred more? And then how do you, if you have you're onboarding a customer, right, can you make it much easier? Right, like like you're doing even podcasts, right? You do you have you can have a welcome packet for your customer, right? For your guest speaker, you, you email that to them to say, hey, welcome, here's what to expect with my show, here's a link for you. Right. Once they're done, you can have a thank you note. So everything can be packaged to make it more repeatable, right? And then the third one is voice of customer disconnect. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. right, we, we have the success, right? Early stage of a company, uh, five or six years, they have, certain number of customers as they reach to a certain, like maybe 100 customers or even 50 customers, that's time to validate, revalidate their strategy with, with their customers, right? And that's where you go out to listen to them mm-hmm. to say, hey, uh, you know, we've, you know, here's, you know, our, you know, what we do, how we do business with you today. I want to check in with you to see what's, what's the value. I mean, actually Warren Buffett said one thing uh, really resonate with me. He said, you know, you pay for the price, but uh, I think you get the value, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting, you know, for every single interaction you have, there should be a value exchange with your customers. And, and then, and then you're going to start seeing the revenue flowing through, right? And that's the voice of customer. You have to build your product around what customer really want to buy rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. And the fourth disconnect I've seen is the process disconnect, right? And as you grow further, oftentimes you have, you know, 200 people on the, in the company and the people randomly, oftentimes you see the people doing things, you know, in their own way. If you, mm-hmm. you know, talk to three different people, they have probably at least two different processes or there's no process even existing in most of the companies, a smaller company, even in larger companies, there could be more overbearing processes, right? That's where you should look into them. Is your pro, you know, do you have, if you don't have process, you should have some, if you have way too many of them, how do you streamline the process to really make it easier for you to interact with your customers or interact with your team? Lastly, in order to drive accountability, you got to have measurement, mm-hmm. right? My math teacher said to me, if it's not measured, it does not exist. So you got to have metrics there, right? So that's the me- measurement disconnect. And you'd be surprised. I work with uh, many startups. They don't have any metrics. They don't even measure. I know. Basic thing. Funny. Yeah. And uh, if I ask some company that I work with, how many customers do you have? And then you get five different answers, right? They're all very serious about their answer because they think they're right. Everyone thinks that they're right, but then <laughs> you dig into it and wow, they're all surprised to see, right? You can see the shocking faces and because they surprised to see how different the real number is from what they think where they are at. So those are the five disconnect um, described in my book. Every single disconnect, in my book, I talk about real life example, how, what questions you, you would ask to unpack each of the disconnect and what are things you can do to avoid some of the blind spots. 
It's awesome. Thank you for sharing. I love how applicable it is to any size business. Like I can apply all three of those blind spots. And I was sitting there like thinking like, check, check, check. Okay. That's where I need to work on. And I just very much agree with everything you say. And although it can seem simple product market fit, processes, measurements, things like that. These are the basic things, which actually really perfectly leads into my next question. But so oftentimes I see businesses wanting to scale really fast, wanting to move really quickly. And I try and say, whoa, like we need to slow down and create a foundation so that when we do have that influx of customers or web traffic or whatever it is, We know we have a really great foundation that's going to take our customer through the journey, the checkout process, everything's great. So we need to focus on that first. And my, my, one of my questions was slowing down to build a solid foundation and how you help people do this, because these five things, although it might feel simple, I, so many of my clients as well, I'm like, well, what are your success metrics or what's your retention rate? They don't know. And I'm like, then how do we know when we're winning? And so these are the metrics that we actually need to be able to answer. And if we can slow down and create that foundation, then it just becomes so much easier to scale. So can we talk about how you help people to just slow down and go back to the foundation? Because in in this business world, in this startup world, there's just so much urgency and it's hard to, it's noisy. Yeah. You know, that's uh I would say million dollar question, right? <laughs> if you think about it, 90% of the startup fails because of not slowing, slowing down, not taking a step back. I talked about Aclamite earlier. They don't go through the Aclamite process. And if you are off, right? Imagine your product market you know, is off. Even though a little bit off, you can be way off the further you know, along you make through the journey. And to me is that I usually started off, you know, the companies oftentimes reach out to me. Hey, Helen, I have this particular issue. I mean, I got a call. I was on the call with uh, someone the other day. He was struggled with the sales, right? And then, you know, that's the complex um, advice you have to give someone. If you really fund, you know, if sales is not going well, oftentimes the root cause of that is not necessarily that, this on the surface, right? Right. It could be, you know, what is the go-to-market message? You know, for you, I usually start off with this whole company. I look at them. What do you really do? I, I ask the founder or I ask the executive to say, can you describe, use three words to describe to me what exactly your company does, right? And then 90% of the time, they cannot answer mm-hmm. to this question. And uh, it's not that they can't answer. Most of the founder, you know, they have their own way of thinking. I said, if you boil it down to three where they keep talking about this company, what they do, but then it's very complex when, when they struggle explaining to you in a simplistic way about what your, their company does, that presents a major issue, right? You think about if they, they can't explain to you what exactly they do, and then they won't be able to sell that to other um, prospects or customers and uh and then they won't be able able to inspire their team members and to do that as well for them so to me is like you know you think about apple apple has a tagline think differently mm-hmm. when you think about apple everyone think about innovation when you think about disney 
making people happy. Everybody always think about happiness, right? The kids are going there, they enjoy the, the joy people go through. You think about Nike is just do it, right? So that's kind of the image. If you want to really build the brand, you start with the why. And if you figure that out about what exactly your company does, what your brand stands for, this is, I know you talk about marketing a lot, right, with team. It's so critical. Even the personal brand is so important, right? The three words that describes you. And that's also because people want to do business with people who was shared vision. They don't want to just go buy a product because they can buy product from five or 10 different companies buying the same product. Why do they do business with you? It's because they have shared value with you, right? As a founder, as an executive. So it's super critical for all of us to take a step back, figure out what is that that unique about my brand, about my company, and then why um, people would do business with me. You know, what are the three things that really unique about my brand that they cannot find it somewhere else, right? And that's really critical for them to begin with that process. I'm glad to hear you say that because I talk about this a lot on a smaller scale. The clients that I'm coaching are either solopreneurs or entrepreneurs or small business startup earlier on some bigger companies, but still much smaller. And I talk about this idea that my mentor taught me around anonymous brands and how you know, I feel that the future, in the future, anonymous brands are dead and the future is here. And so as you're working with leaders to pull out their why, which I talk about all the time, my whole shtick is, you know, I love Simon Sinek, start with why it's like a go-to book for all of my courses and programs. And I think when it comes to the personal brand of a company, it really makes a difference when you as the founder can put your face on something, can explain something. Can you talk more about that, especially on a bigger scale? Because I think this is really interesting. Absolutely. Like, for example, I believe growth thrives at the intersection of technology and humanity, right? I love that. Can you say that one more time? That's so beautiful. Because <laughs> I believe the growth thrives at the intersection of technology and humanity. Technology defeats its purpose if, you know, if it doesn't really do any good for the society. Mm. Um, so I don't think you can separate the two, you know, really, if you can make gazillion, you know, dollars, but then, you know, that would be empty brand image, right? Eventually it will probably run out of juice and then won't go any further. Uh, we've seen some companies that disappear, right? After years of your success and then they no longer here. And so there's a reason for that. And then also people, right? You know, we, the society evolves and then people talk about ESG, talk about many other things. And the human element is so critical. We cannot ignore the human as element of whatever, right, we mm -hmm. do the psychological impact of technology and everything we do, you know, I'm really, when it comes to leadership, if you as a leader, you're not out there serving your team or your employees, you don't drive that pleasant experience, right? With them, you, you know, you can, you can only run this company for that long. And then because they're their happiness will directly going to be reflected in their interaction with their customers. 
with others. And then that's really critical for you to build a fantastic customer, the, the employee experience, because it's directly correlated to customer happiness, right? And then longer term sustainable growth, you want to build that sustainable growth, that is really, really critical. That's why I talk about in this book is not just about the growth. Growth is so important, but then also, you know, I actually, in the book, I had a quote there. I talking about summiting the, the mountain, right? To the top of mountain is important, but that's not the end goal. The end goal is for you to return safely with your entire team and celebrate that moment in the end. That's really the end goal. Because imagine you got all the way to the base camp or even the summit, you cannot come down to celebrate. And what does that mean is meaningless, right? If that happens. So, so super critical for you. And then in the event that you cannot bear that journey, you have to come down earlier, that's fine. But the end goal is to come down safely. And then if you do, you should celebrate along like with the team. Because I talk about the, you know, the prepare, the adapt, the acclimate. And the fourth lesson I learned is to celebrate, right? Mm-hmm. You got to celebrate as, you know, a business owner or as a leader, we should always treasure the key, the some of the micro moments we have along the way with our team, with our family members, and celebrate that success along the way because that's what life is about, right? If we totally. keep working, right? We keep working, you can make so much money. So what, right? So what's that for? It's for us to celebrate with loved ones to you know, enjoy life uh, in the end, right? We all want to be, you know, really enjoy life with people we love. I'm so happy to hear you say all of this because so much of what we say is so aligned, but you just put a different word and different languaging to it. And it's great to hear that I, you know, I'm saying the same thing that the experts are, Um, but I agree. And for some reason, I think, especially as, as female entrepreneurs and business owners that celebrate aspect, I also have a lot of really spiritual clients and this idea of being in service or doing the work and not doing it because of the reward. I think it gets really muddied because yes, I'm in service and yes, I'm doing the work and no, it's not about the reward, but at the same time, it's okay to receive the reward and it's okay to celebrate that reward. And we start all of our team calls and all of my client calls with wins and it just changes the energy and it changes the mindset. And I love all of these tactics around mindset in in the reframes in which you're sharing, because that's all you have when you're climbing a mountain, whether you're pitching an investor, it's your mindset, it's what you take with it. And that ability to receive and celebrate, I feel like gets lost. So I'm so glad it's, it's an important point of your book because I, I preach that I scream that, and I want people to, I think when you can receive, um, and actually allow yourself to celebrate your success, it opens and it creates more expansion and more room for growth. Um, which is just, is just so important, especially when we're talking about bringing on investors or, um, 
bringing other people in. That was another question that I had. I don't personally plan on having any investors in my business, but I know so many people that are at that edge of, do we scale? Do we bootstrap? Do we bring in an investor? What do we do? And it's, you know, that, that um, sort of growth edge that so many small businesses face. And I'm wondering if you could share some of the questions or ways that you unpack this conversation with people that you're coaching and working with. Sure. So that's a very, uh, I would say, typical question I've mm-hmm. right got received and throughout the years. I would say you always start to uh, start to define what success looks like to you because everybody's journey is different, right? And the readers who read my book, they're on different really paths or journeys throughout their their business. And uh, if you, the bootstrapping versus um, getting, uh, you know, fundraising from a VC is quite different. Right. Uh, there's, there are pros and cons for both, right? If you really wanted to have more control with your business, more flexibility, Bootstrapping is a way to go, uh, and then earlier stage usually. But then, if you wanted to have accelerated um, growth, and then definitely, you know, fundraising is a you know is a way to to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there is the which one is better is purely based on your personal preference, based on where the company is at, where you want to take a company to. If you want to take a company to public company, you better find reason that because bootstrapping is very challenging. Now, part of it, you know, getting, if you want to get more resources, right, to hire the Sherpa, hire the experienced people to help you, the VCs are the ones that who have more access to the right level of resources at the right time. They can guide you through that process. However, right. if you depends on your business, right? I have a friend, she has her own e like e-commerce store just to sell shoes. And then she was able to bootstrap that successfully. And it's very different kind of business. And then the other one more would be to be. Um, company where they wanted to, or AI company, B2B, that you may need more fundraising, more exposure to gain access to these larger clients because you may want to also formulate the partnership, alliance partnership with larger players in the market like Salesforce, Microsoft, or SAP or Oracle. So that's a very different like mindset in mm-hmm. a playing field than the B2C. So it depends on industry, depends on the a personal goal, and then uh, your, uh, I think the stage of the growth. Um, that's how I would address that. And also, most importantly, is about uh, how much funding you have personally too, right? You can collect certain amount from friends and family, but then it only gets to a certain point, uh, unless you're uh, from you, unless you're a royal family member, that's a different. <laughs> unless <story>. you're a queen. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Totally. Thank you for answering that. I think that's really helpful. And it's a, it's a conversation that I think, um, you know, I just like to be more involved in. I just had somebody on the podcast recently and I'm asking about Bitcoin and all these questions just because they're not directly affecting me or my business. I'm just, it's what's happening right now. You're talking about technology, innovation, business, personal brands, all this stuff. And to me, it's so exciting. Like yeah. I love technology. I love business. I love growth. I love what you're doing. I have a couple of rapid fire questions for you, but before that, I was wondering if you could share maybe like one of your favorite client stories or 
a lesson that you've learned or something that you feel is important to share with my audience? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think let me share with you about the story, Jabit story, right? That was in my uh, book introduction. So when I, uh, I think Jabit, um, two co-founders, they're both uh, Fortune 30 under 30, and uh, they started the company in 2011. And when I met them, that was five years later, right? And when they started the company, there were only 100 MarTech company in the market. So five years late, later, uh, they were going to fundraise, you know, really. And then that, that time, there were 7,000 MarTech company in the market already. Um, so I had the pleasure meeting with both of them, and then they engaged me as their advisor. And then first thing we did was to figure out how we pivot, right, from mm -hmm. a MarTech company to allow them to jump out of the page so we change them to a data declared data company, right? That's because so the, the truth is that that's what exactly what they do. First, right. they you know collecting the data, first party data, and then because of that pivot, they got their their funding. They were able to grow. They became the one of the fastest growing twenty five CNBC fast growing company. We were able to double. There are other things we did. Obviously, we were able to go up market enterprise and go after enterprise customers. So we doubled the revenue within six months and to two years. I like compared to two years and previously. So that's really one of the stories, and I can share with you. This sounds simple, but there's so much thinking into those shift and change, right? Pivot that you do. Um, my feet, you know, my comment here is that it's all doable and you just have mm -hmm. to find your Sherpa mm -hmm. and go through the right you know, process, right? To really figure out where you wanted to really optimize and then improve. And then you have to listen to people who've been there, done that, right? Both of them are really super good. It, I was one of the people on the advisory board. They also have a very experienced people on the advisory board who gave them advice along the way. And they both listened and they turned that into action, right? And then uh, they follow through uh, the action as well. I think that's so important and I'm glad that's such a beautiful note to end on because the whole idea of listening to the experts and having advisors and having mentors like this is the whole point is you don't have to do it alone. There are people who have done it before you. If you can't hire them as an advisor, there's books, right? There's so many ways in which you can turn to the experts and ask for advice and to to be able to listen that's up to you and take the advice and turn it into action and especially during covid because i myself am an advisor coach to a lot of businesses on the marketing side and those that were willing to pivot early on and weren't stubborn and this is our offer and this and it it was just like night and day the success that came from that and the open to, the openness to flow where your business wants to go and where the market wants you to go i think is so powerful so i'm so happy to hear you say that and Thank you for all of this amazing advice. I feel like I have so much to process. This is so helpful for me and my business. And before I say goodbye to you, I'd love to just ask you some rapid fire questions um, so we can learn more. One is, um, what is your favorite book right now or the last book you've read? 
So I actually brought this with me, Shoe Dog. Have you ever read this? No. The memoir for Phil Knight, right? Talking about the history about Nike. And、uh, he started a business at the age of 24, talking about the non conventional path as an entrepreneur. He started a business with $50 from his dad, right? And then he backpacked、um, across the Europe and Asia. Uh, at the age of 24. So, the book is, I'm not going to spill more beans here, but you got to read this. Okay. I read this multiple times and I was able to pick up some wisdom from him. Really, really inspiring. Amazing. I just wrote it down. I love this podcast because I get to get all of my next book recommendations. Yeah. And ascend your start off, right? Obviously. So, this hit. This hit、um, Amazon bestseller in three categories number one in starting your business, number one in visa,、um, venture capital,、uh, and then also hit number three on Wall Street Journal、uh, bestseller list. That's amazing. I can't wait for people to go read it. I can't wait to order it. Tell me for people who read your book,、uh, what is your prayer for people who pick it up? Like, what is your hope for the person reading it? Yeah. I'm hoping for people to learn, right? I, I, my tagline is growth thrives at intersection of technology and humanity. I hope people, all the people who want to start their business, don't just focus on what the solution does, right? Also, really think about what kind of legacy you're trying to leave behind. As I, you know, I started writing eulogy, you know, for myself. And people go to funeral, they don't talk about what job title, the status you've had. They talk about the impact you make, right? So really think about the significance that you've made to the to the society and or to others, and that's really important. Even we build our legacy, we build the business. No matter how successful we are, at the end of the day, if we don't make any positive impact on others. And when people think about you, then it's really not worth the journey if you think about it, right? So, I want all the people and, and hardworking people think about, right? Take a step back, right? Acclimate to think about what kind of legacy you would like to leave behind you. And then you will be mega more mega successful by doing that.、Oh. So beautiful. Thank you. And my last question for you is what is your best self care tip or practice that you? Oh my God.、Um, I would say that I'm able to really shut down, right? When I'm like with How? you. How? <laughs> I think I'm, when I'm with you, I'm 100% with you.、Mm. I'm able not to. Think of anything else, but I'm able to make that to everybody I'm with.、Mm-hmm. Literally, in, when I'm with someone important, my phone is turned off. So you won't really even have any distraction. So to me, that's the most important thing because if you cannot carve out that time, I, in the mind space, I, I give myself the think time every day. And then every morning, I start off my day with three thank you notes. So that helps me in the past 15 years. Sometimes I write the notes to people who are no longer here. They, they pass away, right? And I write to tell them how thankful I am. So I started my day with positivities every day. So that really helped me. Sometimes we all run into challenges, we, you know, the days we want to run away from. But then when you start 
was something you're thankful for every single day, that really is a secret for me to stay positive. And I've had failure so many times where I keep telling myself, right, this is why I'm here, right? Mm. It's not, is you know, I can overcome these things. And then I, you know, indeed, I was able to overcome some challenge because of the positivity is because of the grit that, mm. uh, you know, really I call inner resilience, right? It really helped you build inner resilience to overcome all these challenges. It's super important as a woman because sometimes we have to multitask. There are gazillion things, right, happening in a day. We have to be able to say at this hour, the only thing I'm thinking about is this. Mm. Nothing else in the world I would care about. So I think just the ability to do that is super important. Full presence. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. It's been such a great hour just connecting and sharing your gifts with my audience. And I'm excited to share your book. I'll put everything in the show notes so um, we don't have to share any links or anything out loud, but it will all be there. And I'll be sharing on Instagram as well. And I'll be ordering your book. And I'm just in your corner cheering you on. Um, Happy to know you. And thank you again for your time. Thank you, Krista. It's such a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, I feel like I've known you for years, right? I'm sure we'll stay in contact. And uh, I hope so. I, I hope so. Listening to your podcast and learning from you as well. Thank you so much. That's what it's all about. You know, that's why I started this so we can share our stories and learn from each other and support one another because it's lonely and it's hard. And that's why we're here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to my listeners, as always, you're my why for this show. And until next time, keep growing.